That was a great song, wasn't it? Thanks to the choir and all the specials today. They are just great. Appreciate it so much. If you have your Bibles, you can turn, and I'll be there in a little while, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Always remember that time passed, but now ages come. Time passed, Genesis through Acts, but now Romans through Philemon, and then ages come, Hebrews through Revelation. And when you just keep that in your mindset, it helps you understand certain things just like angels. There's a lot of misconceptions about angels, and I want to talk about them this morning. Angels are called sons of God, the morning stars, the stars of heaven. They're also called the heavenly host, the holy ones, or holy angels. And some of them are even called evil spirits or fallen angels. And uh, so there are, they have different names. The angels' nature, it's kind of interesting, their being. God created the angels who are spirits and they are always used in the masculine term. In other, in other words, angels are men, as men. Never a woman, never a child. Now, that's, that's uh, what funny because today you see so much of that. You can go to the florist, especially around Valentine's time, and you can go there, and uh, you always see these little statues of little kids with angel's wings on them. And uh, you see them there at those places. And uh, let me just make it very, very clear. People don't become angels when they die. Okay? They do not become angels when they die. As a matter of fact, in life, people never become angels. But angels could assume human form. And that's the... That's the uh, the truth as we will see this as we go through this a little bit. Angels were created to be celibate. They were not to marry. They did not need to procreate since they don't die. But they are not necessarily sexless. Sexless. You know, they took human form in Genesis chapter 6 and they were so corrupting mankind's DNA that God destroyed the entire world with a flood. That's how bad it got back in Genesis 6. Seemingly, angels never age. Gabriel, when he came to Daniel, and uh, later on he appeared again, the same Gabriel, 500 years later he appeared to Mary and then to Joseph. Some angels seem like they don't need very much space. What I mean by that, if you remember the one man, he had fallen angels, demons. You had uh, them inside of a man, and they called him legion. And legion means a lot of them. Some believe up to 6,000. So they don't, they don't need a whole lot of room. And then also, they're not to be worshipped. They're not to be idolized. They're not to be prayed to. And let me just say, that is going on within Christendom today. 
where they begin to almost make him an idol and even begin to pray to the angels. And that should not be the case. Now, we know some angels have fallen. We know that Lucifer, Satan, the red dragon, great dragon, we know that he coerced a third of the angels in heaven to join him in a rebellion against God. As a result of that, God kicked out one-third of those angels from the third heaven. They were permitted to come to the earth, but also they have a place in the second heavens. And I'm going to show you that in just a minute. But Job tells us that even though they have fallen, they still have to report to God. And how they respond honors God or it stains God. And I'm going to show you that in just a second. It's, it's, it's amazing. But they have access to the universe, the second heavens. There are some devilish female creatures in one passage of Scripture. They have wings, and God calls them wickedness. Uh, they are supernatural beings, I believe, that Satan use, will use as a counterfeit of God's angels. You know the devil is a great counterfeiter, isn't he? No marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers are uh, also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. And so God has counterfeits out there, deceivers out there, and a lot of them are preaching in pulpits across this country even this day and even around the world. Angels in time past, it's interesting. During Israel's program from Genesis 12 to uh, through the book of Acts, God used angels to protect believers. That's where the word guardian angels sort of comes in at that time. He used angels to rescue people from prison like he did the apostle Peter. He used angels to minister to individual people who were down and out. He used angels to provide for people uh, like he did Elijah when Elijah ran away from Jezebel. And angels have guided believers to where they should go. Angels' intervention, though, it's the opposite with unbelievers. When angels are involved with unbelievers, God sent angels to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent angels to curse unbelievers. He sent one angel to defeat the enemies of Israel that were marching toward them, and one angel killed 185,000 enemy soldiers in one night. That's pretty strong powerful, isn't it? Angels appeared as men to Abraham, <clears throat> to Lot, to Moses, Daniel, Israel, Elijah, Eli Elisha, Zacharias, Mary and Joseph, and to Christ. God used angels to carry people after they died, their souls, to paradise. It was angels that proclaimed Christ had risen at the empty tomb. It was angels in Acts 1.11 
that told the apostles when Christ ascended up to heaven to sit on the right hand of the Father that that same Jesus would be the same Jesus that returns back to earth one day at the end of the tribulation time. And so these angels were actively involved. Not only that, in the ages to come, when God resumes dealing with Israel, it's after the rapture. Now, the rapture, the departure, the calling up, whatever you want to call it, it's when the body of Christ, those who get saved today by putting their faith in the gospel, they're placed by the Spirit of God into the spiritual body of Jesus Christ. And when that body is completed, the trumpet will sound, and we will go up and meet the Lord in the air, and we shall ever be with him. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words, he says. And so we go to heaven. But after the rapture, God resumes his plan and purpose for Israel in the tribulation. And what it does when you read the tribulation passages, you'll see there that angels become prominent once again. God will use his angels in bringing his wrath on many of the people. The wrath of God will be poured out upon lost mankind. It will be poured out on Antichrist and the satanic followers, both men and evil spirits. To give you a little insight, the tribulation is how long? Seven years. After three and a half years at mid-tribulation in the second heavens where Satan has a place, something happens. Revelation chapter 12, verse 3. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon. Who's that? Satan. Having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. He has control. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Those are the angels. And did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, Israel, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child, not Jesus, but the remnant, the little flock, as soon as it was born. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was, what? Their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That happens at mid-tribulation. That place where he used to go and give reports to God of the responsibility no longer was that place for him and his angels. He's kicked out to the earth. And it happens at mid-tribulation, and that's one of the reasons they call it the tribulation, the first half part. The last half part is called the great tribulation because now Satan and his angels all have taken up residence only here on the earth. And so it is great tribulation. We know this, angels will accompany Jesus Christ on his return to earth. 
when they return at the end of the tribulation, God, the angels, they will gather all the Jewish believers who survived the tribulation. And by the way, we know that God will hide and protect them in the wilderness during the last part of that tribulation. And he will protect them there. Notice Matthew 24, 30. And he shall appear, and then shall appear the, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, they've rejected him, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. They shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. So he's going to gather the Jewish believers. Revelation 19, 14, when Christ returns, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses. And the armies, by the way, there are the angels. White horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. So at the end of the tribulation, Christ will return with his angels to be poured out upon mankind, to gather the Jews, to punish the lost, and so on. So that brings us to the point here, what about angels today? What about angels today? Well, God's purpose, first of all, is saving us. Uh, God gave his only begotten son. He died on a rugged cross, bearing our sins, and he he was buried, taking our sins far away. And then he rose from the grave alive to justify us. Christ did that. The first priority is God's saving. And the amazing thing, he did that without Israel. And that was a mystery that that could even take place. And so he, his purpose is saving us. Now don't miss this. And then using us to teach the good angels during this dispensation of grace in heaven things they never knew about the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. God had secrets. God had a mystery that nobody knew about. The cross's accomplishments. The mystery body of Christ. Satan's defeat. Nobody, even the angels, knew anything about this. It was hid in God, the Bible said. And so Ephesians 3, 9 and 10 tells us what we do today. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, this new program, which from the beginning, beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now get this to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers, those are spiritual, in heavenly places might be known. This mystery program might be known. Go back to that verse again, guys. Okay, go back to that verse. Might be known how? How are they going to know it? By the church, the body church. Now the manifold wisdom of God. 
You see, since the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection defeated the wicked angels. What that has done, that has put us who have believed in the gospel of Christ, put us at odds with these fallen angels. Today we're in a war with spiritual beings. We fight them. We don't see them, but we know they're there. The Bible says they're there. And they have their pecking order, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness. Notice our text, Ephesians 6, and as we go through it, just notice it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. That's who we lean upon, right? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the traps of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. I, the only thing I know is truth, the word of God. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, his. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, when we saw this, did you notice that the armor that God gives us is not guardian angels? Hello? Somebody speak to me every now and then. I know I'm boring sometimes, but just pretend you're listening. Go, amen, Brother Jim. But it's the truth of the Word of God and our position in Christ that helps us to stand. Our weapons are spiritual that we practically apply to our daily lives. Today, no human has ever seen an angel during the dispensation of grace here and we're not to receive an angel's message or an angel's gospel. Colossians 2.18 says this here, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and what? Worshiping of angels intruding in those things which he hath not seen. Amen? He's not seen them, and he's vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. I like that. Galatians 1.8 says this, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed, I don't believe angels are involved 
during the dispensation of grace that we're in today. And that makes people feel bad for some reason. You know, maybe they do after we die. Maybe they take us to paradise. I don't know about that. That's a possibility. But as far as being actively guarding us and so on, I don't believe that. Now, God can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. But I believe he stays true to his word. And today, rather than angels helping us, God has given us something more powerful and comforting than the angels. He's given us himself. God, the Spirit. Ephesians 1.13 In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, faith cometh by hearing, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of your salvation, in whom also that after... After that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. And chapter 4, verse 30 says this, for how long? And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. He's going to stay stilled inside God in us. Huh? The hope of glory. God in us, sealed in us, until we go home to be with the Lord. Now think that through. You see, it's the Spirit of God who seals us, and that tells us something. Spiritually speaking, He protects our soul. Our soul that lives forever. Now our body, that's another story. But our soul is guaranteed that, amen? And instead of being protected from the world's evils, we are instructed to be filled with the Spirit, allowing Him to control us and guide us. We are to testify, even though we're hurting at times, that God's grace is sufficient, amen, and that we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. And when we're doing that, we have a testimony to the power of God's grace to man, but also to the angels. So today, we walk by faith. We're motivated by grace and love of God for us. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit who is God. We're guided by his word through our difficulties of life. We share the truth of the gospel of grace and we will be rewarded one day by God. But more important than that is when we live for God in this way, when we do that, we honor and reward God. In the heavenly. I can imagine when they bring up Jim Devney's name in the heavenlies that the devil, you know who he is? Look how unrighteous and, and filthy he is. But yet I'm defended in heaven. I want him to be able to say, 
Devil, have you considered my servant Jim Devaney? Just like he did Job. And when we're living for God, it honors God in the heavenlies. We're bringing glory to God in the heavenlies when we do that. Now, if we have guardian angels to protect us, to prevent us from all these difficulties and afflictions and so on, think about this. Think of all the Christians who have died in automobile accidents, shootings, drugs, stabbings, nature's upheavals, and so on. What about them? Where were their guardian angels? Even good, wonderful believers, where were their guardian angels? Something happened. Amen? You see, we shouldn't be believing something God is not doing today. We live in a world that is corrupt. We live in a world that's full of sin. And sin brings forth death. And even our bodies, we wait for our redemption. Our bodies are not delivered until we go to heaven. And so we're going to go through the trials and the difficulties and the diseases and the hurts and all of these things. What we are to do, we are to trust God's call on our life. Just fulfill his purpose. I was listening to Moody Radio the other day, and people were calling in asking questions. Somebody said, well, what about Joseph? We know that after 12 years of age, Jesus, you don't hear about Joseph anymore. What happened to Joseph? And they were given explanations of this or that and everything. Nobody really knows. But I thought to myself, I know one thing about Joseph. Whenever he died, he fulfilled his purpose. And after he fulfilled his purpose, it was time to go home. Hello? You know what his purpose was? To give Mary some credibility, no question about it, but to give her the legal right to the throne for her son. That's what was important. He fulfilled his purpose. And God took him home. And whatever age that is for us, we shouldn't be complaining. The other day I was reading the obituary column. I don't know why when you get older you start reading the obituary column. I, there's something to that in there. You don't know if it's you or what. You look in there, see if you know anybody. And I noticed yesterday uh, in the story, uh, they were 74, 73, and 71 years of age. And I'm thinking, I'm older than them now. I'm living on just a thin line of grace, <laughs> you, you know. But I hope the goal is we fulfill God's purpose for our life. And you see, if there were to be guardian angels, what that would do, that would rob us of demonstrating to the angels in heaven from bringing God glory in the heavenlies. 
If I didn't go through all that I go through, the difficulties, the pains, the hurts, the losses in my life where I stay faithful during those times and I'm demonstrating God's grace is sufficient. I don't need anybody to pre- I've got God. And I'm satisfied with that. I thank for the apostle Paul. If anybody should have had a guardian angel, it's Paul. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11 sometimes and you see everything he went through. It's unbelievable. Where were the guardian angels? He lived through them, those difficulties. I close with these verses. 2 Corinthians 4, 16, 17. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, physically, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And then he says in Romans 8, 16, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And lastly, 2 Timothy 2.8, Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even into bond, prison. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. I'm not looking for guardian angels to bail me out. I have God, and God's greater than any angel. And he has a program for me to follow. His word, studied, learned, applied, living. And through that, regardless of what is sent into my life, I can step back and say, regardless of all the physical things that have taken place, My God is a good God. Paul says, and God delivered him out of all of them. How did he deliver him? It wasn't always by a supernatural thing. It was giving him the grace, the strength, the encouraging word that he could have in his heart to withstand anything that he faced. And so I say to you today, we don't need angels. I'm not trying to belittle angels. They're great. They're great. I understand that. But today, we have God, the Holy Spirit. We have God's infallible word. And that is sufficient. He says of us, since we are in Christ, we are complete. (laughs) Don't need anything else. Have all I need for my journey. In God and his word. Father, we love you. Thank you for the truth of your word. 
Lord, I'm grateful for the angels. I know you created them. You love them. They, they serve at your bidding. But God, you've done something different here in this dispensation of grace, this time that we're living in right now. And you're sharing and you're showing the angels that man can live by your word and by you. And it's given a great testimony to the angels. So may we not be discouraged. May we be pumped up because we're joint heirs with Christ. We love you today, God. And for that believer that's going through some struggles today, may they just look to you and your word and who you are and how you will help them through that truth. In Christ's name. Everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.